Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. What a joy to be with you again today. My name is John Becker. I'm married to Maureen, and we've been serving um, as missionaries, cross-cultural missionaries, since 1994. So it's about 30 years. Amen. <laughs> We're so excited, got discipled in this church and was sent out by this church, and it's great to be back here and to serve on this body. My wife is the vice chair, and, so, and she also is a BSF leader. So we, we love this place, and we love investing and serving, and it's a privilege to be able to bring the word to us today. And it's, um, it's a really convicting word. Um, I've been sitting in it for a while, and it's been doing a work on my heart. So I hope that humility um, and honesty comes out today in this beautiful word uh, that we heard from our brother. So um, this morning, it's all about this theme, Go, Sow, and Grow. It's our mission fair. We're going to talk a little bit about that at the end. But um, what we're going to be looking at today is really about wisdom and how wisdom goes, how wisdom sows, and how wisdom helps us to grow. Wisdom sows, grows, goes, wisdom sows, and wisdom grows. Last week, Brian um, talked about, uh, it was really, this whole chapter three is is all about leaders. It's really talking to leaders. If you if you're going to be a teacher or leader, then you know show it by what you say. Today it's about how you live. It's calling us, not only leaders but us, to really. I I, I like to say James is really saying put up or shut up. <laughs> it's a simple way to say it. If you're going to say you want to be this but your life doesn't really model it, then really, what do you have to say? And that's what we're going to look at today. Our big idea is our good works, when they're done in the gentleness of wisdom, will reap a harvest of righteousness. Okay? Our good works, when they're done in the gentleness of wisdom, they will reap a harvest of good works. So we're going to unpack that today as we look at these three aspects of this passage. And uh, I want us to just um, reflect on it again. So if we can look at this scripture again and just read it. Um, James is, again, addressing leaders, but it's going to apply to us as well. He's saying, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done. In the, I like this translation, in the meekness or gentleness of wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and so lie against the truth. For this is not wisdom that comes from above, but it's what? It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's actually demonic. For where... Envy and selfish ambition exist. There is disorder and every bad thing, every evil thing. But the wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, it's pure. It's gentle or peaceable. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruit. 
It's sincere and it's impartial. And peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. Wow. I mean, I, um, this is like one of those scripture where, you know, you're in the room and the, the, the person asks, you know, who's here? Who's a teacher here? Who's a leader? And you're like, you raise your hand and then it's like, um, okay, then um, show it by your good deeds done in the gentleness of wisdom. And you're like, okay, <laughs> um, I'm not so quick to put myself forward. Just like yesterday, it's, if you're going to be a teacher, um, then there's going to be a higher judgment on you, a, a more severe judgment. Whoever esteems to be a teacher, you're going to be judged at a higher level because you're putting yourself out there. So in the same way, this is saying, if you're going to say you're uh, a wise and understanding, discerning person, then it's really, the proof is in the pudding, right? In how you live. How those inner qualities actually manifest themselves in your life. So let's just say that our good works, say it with me, our good works done in the gentleness of wisdom will reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen. Last week, well, actually on Monday, I returned from uh, the Sahara Desert and in North Africa. And um, we've been working on a, a vision, a project that covers about 42 different distinct ethnic or people groups unreached across this area, about um, 32 million people and um, multiple countries. And about five years ago, I went with some colleagues to go and prayer walk and find people of peace in one particular part of this Sahara. And we claimed this wonderful scripture from Isaiah 11, uh, 61, 11, and 12. And when, as we went, we just um, claimed this scripture over the land. And, and the, the last verse of our passage today, verses 18, about harvest of righteousness, really made me think of this scripture again. And um, at that time, five years ago, we just prayed this. We said, Lord, just as the earth brings forth its sprouts and what is planted in a garden sprouts up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up among all nations. And we were claiming that across this region of the Sahara where we didn't know of any believers in these particular people groups. And uh, we are seeking people of peace. And so here I was five years later um, after other trips, but here we were cultivating and, and growing the disciples, the first disciples among a couple of these different tribes, these Berber groups. And uh, you see them in this picture um, sitting there in, in the Sahara. And we're, is it there? Yeah. And it's just so beautiful to see the first fruits of this harvest of righteousness coming up. These believers, just like this story of, of Hudson on mission, these um, new believers taking the gospel to their neighbors. Um, they're the first ones in their people groups, and everything's new, and it's, it's such a beautiful, awesome journey. And I wish I could just tell you stories about their lives and their faith and their courage. Um, it was so inspiring. And that's what we're all about, is we want to see this good news of the kingdom go everywhere. Wisdom goes and it shows us how to go 
and do good works. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and discerning among you? Let him show by good his good conduct that his works are done. In the meekness, there's another translation, meekness of wisdom. See, meekness and gentleness together with wisdom, that is such an interesting combination of words that I was reflecting on so much. And it caused me to, to remember that actually our good works can only flow out of a life abiding with Christ. So I want to look at that a little bit. What's it mean to abide in Christ? And also, these good works were actually uniquely created for us by God for us to walk into. So we're going to look at that. Like, what's that mean? There's such freedom when we actually understand that. And then thirdly, These good works should not point back to ourselves. It actually should point to Jesus. And this was the most convicting part of this for me, is how often the things I'm doing is to point back to myself. Oh, Lord, he's doing a work in my life. In this sense, wisdom and understanding are like faith. You know, James talked about faith without works is dead, right? But faith is an invisible thing. It's in in here, but it manifests itself in our actions, our behaviors. In the same way, true wisdom and understanding, it's it's a deep inner um, attitude that manifests itself in spiritual fruit. So the first aspect of this is the only way we can achieve this is really by abiding in Christ. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If anyone abides in me and I in him or her, they will bear much fruit. For apart from me, what? You know the rest. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Is that really true? But we don't actually um, always live like that, right? We think we can actually do things on our own things that will actually mean something. But here Jesus is inviting us, and he goes on to say, do you know that um, you didn't choose me? I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear much fruit, and fruit that will last. And actually, anything you ask in my name, it will be done to you by my Father. These are incredible promises, and I just endeavor to want to live so closely with Jesus that The good work, the fruit that's coming out of my life is because I'm just following my Savior, following in his footsteps, and my life is demonstrating that sweet fellowship. How do we get there, though? It's so hard to to teach about abiding in Christ. It actually just has to be modeled. And I've been thinking a lot about our dear sister, Miriam Robbins, who we had our memorial service not too long ago here, and the testimonies of, of her, of a woman who just lived her life abiding in Christ, and that her caregiver at the very end was testifying that here's this woman, I never heard one complaint come out of her mouth, never complaining about any other person. She just was always wanting to bring people to the presence of God and to share about her Lord Jesus. See, abiding, it's something we have to model. Last time I shared with you, we talked about we learn, we model, we pass it on. 
And that's how we abide, is by watching others who are before us and seeing the disciplines, the habits in their life of a life that is committed to, to the Lord Jesus. Those of us who, who study kind of discipleship movements or disciple-making movements across the world, um, there's some uh, recent research with some key catalytic leaders across the globe, and everyone agreed that the key trait of a catalytic leader that leads movements of disciple-making is someone who is passionate about the Lord God. That's the number one quality, that they just are passionate about the Lord and his glory and honor. How do we teach that? We just have to begin to walk and take those baby steps. So I want to invite you to abide with Jesus. Make him your passion. Look at those things that are in the way, disrupting that, and just start removing those things so that Jesus takes front and center. Secondly, the good deeds created were created uniquely for us to walk into. There's this awesome scripture that says that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for works of service or good works which he created beforehand for us to walk into. Isn't that an amazing promise that even not only did God imagine us and create us before the foundation of the world, but he also thought ahead of time of what good works he wanted us to do. So part of life is about, is about discovering those unique things that God has created you and you and you uniquely to walk into. There's a lot of freedom in this because oftentimes we think that the work of God in the world is burdensome and heavy. Um, it's it's going to be toilsome. But actually, when we're walking with the Holy Spirit into those things that God's created us beforehand for us to walk into, then it should be a freeing, joyful, celebratory experience. doesn't mean it's hard, not hard, not sacrificial. No, those things come with it. But it means that we find such joy and delight in that we are so willing to make those sacrifices. How often is our good works, especially in the, in the church, uh, we just do things out of obligation. We do them with not a heart of pleasure, but we just do it out of duty. And that's where legalism, all these kind of things come out. But that, those aren't the good fruit that we're called to here. So find those uniquely things that, that God created for you. And then lastly... They need to point to Jesus, not ourselves, And that takes us to really our next point as we look at wisdom sows. What kind of wisdom? And here, James is making this crazy contrast between two um, kinds of wisdom. Wisdom that comes from the world. And uh, let's look at that first. Wisdom sows. Define wis, uh, sowing. I, I think um, Scott wanted me to do this because we talk about these agricultural things all the time. We think, okay, we're not agriculturists, but what does it mean to sow? So there's this great picture. I love this picture. Sowing is, is a metaphor in the scriptures about the, the things that we do to grow things 
in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is always using agricultural terms to talk about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like uh, seeds that a man sowed. And the kingdom is like a field. Kingdom is like this. Look, the fields are ripe for the harvest. And so this is the imagery we're to have in our hearts as we think about this. So what does wisdom sow? The right kind of wisdom sows righteousness, right? We're going to look at at the end. But the wrong kind of wisdom sows all kinds of terrible things. The fruit of earthly wisdom. First of all, James mentions bitter envy and selfish ambition. What is bitter envy? I really started to think about what does this mean? Bitter envy is really striving after what others have. It's, it's that number 10 commandment, right? Thou shall not covet. Bitter envy comes when we're not satisfied what we have, but we want what someone else has. And we begin to envy and that bitterness grows in our heart and produces all kinds of terrible things. Selfish ambition also is, is related, but it's about achievement or self-glorification. Not doing it um, with Jesus, but doing it um, for ourselves and for our own glory. And this is uh, one of the things that was really convicting to me as I thought about this. How often do I do all these wonderful things? I get to get on planes all the time and fly all over the world. I can be whoever I want in any of these places. Am I doing it for Jesus and his kingdom? Man, when I sit on that plane and I'm going on these journeys, spending all this money, I really have to center myself and I I have this time of meeting with the Lord. And I say, Lord, I'm sitting here to go on mission with you to some place. But if my heart isn't right, if I'm not doing it for the right motives to point back to you, this is all a waste of time and money. Lord, keep me from my own selfish ambition. I have to pray that every time because I know that's, that the fruit that comes from that will not produce anything good. These are the opposite of what the meekness of wisdom talks about, the character of Jesus himself. They actually refer to someone who has a critical, contentious, fight-provoking manner. When we work in the flesh, there is disorder in every evil thing. There's three words that it says that this kind of wisdom, it's first of all earthly, Second, it's unspiritual and demonic, which is really strong. It's like, James, really? Demonic? See, it's earthly because it has this world in mind, not Christ's kingdom. So as we think about the wisdom that's motivating us as we work in the world, does it have the kingdom in mind or does it have this world in mind? It's unspiritual. It has gratification of the flesh in mind, not spiritual blessing. Hmm, that's a tough one too, isn't it? And then demonic. Ultimately, it is an evil deception, not truth, that leads to life. See, our good deeds can masquerade as intensity and harsh zeal. 
which are sometimes justified as loyalty to the truth. And I think this is where we're really at a critical place of the church. We want to so stand for God's word and the truth, but we need to do it in a way that's humble and meek and gentle like Jesus, calling people, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the kind of invitation that we should be seeking, and that comes from this wisdom. That's why that word meekness and wisdom are put together, because it's the character of Jesus himself. And when we abide with Jesus, we receive his Holy Spirit, and we have that same character at work in our lives. Amen? So our good deeds can masquerade as that, but we need to take a step and consider, okay, what's motivating me? And we can feel so strongly about things, but let's have that measure of humility and meekness, gentleness, as we present it to the world. We have so many examples in our world today of uh, what isn't meek and gentle. It's... uh, Suppose leaders that are anything but these kinds of qualities. And look at the bad fruit it's producing, the division that it produces in our world. But the fruit of the spirit-filled life, spirit-filled wisdom is all these things. We don't have time to walk through all these incredible words, but just think about these. Wow. Pure, it's free of sinful attitudes and motives. It's gentle, peaceable, kind. The characteristics of God, our God as king. It's gentle, the sweet reasonableness, an ability to extend to others the kindly considerations we would want to receive ourselves. It's open to reason. Opposite of stiff and unbending. Full of mercy. It doesn't judge others. Is anyone feeling a little bit like <laughs> Not measuring up to this. James, have mercy on us. It's impartial. It doesn't seek to find others' faults and condemn them by them. It's without, it's sincere. It's without hypocrisy. It's authentic. No hidden agendas. No pretending to be someone we are not. I want to encourage you right now, even though you're thinking, I don't measure up to this, because that's how I felt for a long time as I prepared for this. But um, this is a time for us to think, what do I need to cultivate? What are those things that are strengths and they're growing in my life? And what are the things that I need to weed, that I need to uproot and and replace with the, the kind of wisdom that comes from above? Amen? Just take a second to think about that in your own life. kind of summarize this, what I call the posture of fruit or spirit-filled sowing. It's really three areas here. It's having a listening heart, just being responsive. If I had to reduce all this into three words or three concepts, it's really having a listening heart, listening to the Holy Spirit. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Listening to others, knowing how to respond appropriately. It's having compassion, letting um, the needs of the world and the, the reality of, of 
someone else's suffering and experience deeply impact us to action. And it's humility. It's being open to correction, open to others, especially people different than ourselves. I loved um, hearing a story from Clara, one of our uh, wonderful longtime members. And uh, she modeled this in such a wonderful way with her refrigerator repairman who came several months ago. And she took time to listen to his story and found out he was an Afghan and he had come here as an asylum seeker. And she found out as she drew in more into his story that he hadn't seen his family in, in over a decade, in many years, because of the system. And, and she wasn't okay with that. So she actually went the next step and entered into that story said, I want to help you do something about that. And that's that good works that are come out of, from heaven that were influencing her, that meekness of wisdom that was giving her uh, clarity to go deeper with him and show that compassion. And you know what? It's bearing fruit not only here, but now in Afghanistan as well. I love that example, and it's taught me a lot to take time to actually enter into people and that's part of the sowing that, we, that the, the Lord wants us to do. So as we think about this contrast, take some time to know where you need to cultivate, where you need to weed. And finally, wisdom shows us how to grow. This last verse, verse 18, says, Peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. And I wish I could spend a lot of time here because this is why we're doing this mission fair when we sow in peace we reap a harvest of righteousness when our good works are done in the gentleness of wisdom they reap a harvest of righteousness our world is in need of the gospel do you know that four billion people Four billion people, 45% of the Earth's population, well, we're about eight, eight billion soon at the end of this year, so it's a little more than uh, 50% actually, are outside of the gospel. Outside, they haven't had a chance to know and serve and love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Maureen and I are called to what we do to serve the unreached by uh, 2050, there will be over 11 billion people on the planet. The, there's this multiplication factor, right? And uh, the growth of the population of the world is outgrowing the pace of the growth of the church. So it's not time for us to sit back. It's time for us to actually double our efforts to get out in the world. So we need each of us to be on mission, not only here, but everywhere. Of the 16,000 or so different ethnic people groups in the world today, 7,400 of them, 7,400 of them are considered unreached, meaning there's very few believers and hardly any gospel witness among them. That's why we're called in 2 Corinthians 5 to be Christ's ambassadors, because God's making his appeal through us to... Um, to call others to reconciliation with God. 
It says at the end of that passage that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. That is an incredible promise that somehow as we go as peacemakers, which were called by Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. That as we go in that as children of God, as peacemakers, we sow righteousness and we watch righteousness grow up in the earth. We receive the righteousness from Christ. That's the the passive righteousness that we get through faith. But when we walk in that righteousness, that's the active righteousness that we sow in the world to bear fruit. And I want to call us to action, people. Let's sow peace so that we can reap righteousness. Wisdom from above. Think about all those words again. What are the things that God is calling you to step out in faith? I was amazed. Um, interesting things happened to me on airplane rides because um, I'm on a lot of them. But this last one, coming home, it's like an 11-hour flight. And um, there was a German couple sitting next to me, really sweet people. And I knew God wanted me to share uh, with them. And, but I was super tired and I wasn't feeling well. But I still, I did. And then I was so glad I did because the guy next to me, he's an older gentleman, he started what it looked like to me going to a stroke. And, um, and I was like, oh, Lord. And his wife began to freak out. And so I'm like on this guy, like, um, please, you know, wake up, come to consciousness. And we got some oxygen and began to treat him. And I just thought, Lord, I'm so glad I shared with him. And he wasn't interested you know, he, 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 was, he was interested in conversation, but he wasn't interested in the gospel. He was very much, you know, not believing that God existed. But, you know, when he came to and we began to talk again the next two hours, he was really interested. <laughs> and I said, you know, what we talked about was really important. And, uh, and actually, pray for us, because we're going to get together in a week. Um, because... Yeah, <laughs> but I don't share that to get um, applause because, you know, in the flesh, so often I get it wrong. But I, I share that story because we never know when the last breath will be for our neighbor here or across the globe. There's an urgency that the Lord is calling us to, an urgency of the gospel to sow those seeds, those, that wisdom that's directing us to sow good seeds, to reap a harvest of righteousness. So I want to encourage you as we go out into the mission fair today, look at these opportunities, 14 different ministry opportunities to get to know and to be active in. What is God calling you to specifically that he's created you, he's uniquely made you to step into? Find your place and you'll find absolute great joy and freedom in that. Amen? Amen. I wish I had more time to share more stories and uh, there's so many great stories of men and women who are awesome, but I don't have time. I just want to close with this quote by um, Rick Warren. I'm going to be with him um, this week with 
250 other leaders from around the world uh, that are leaders of these nations and the church. And we're going to be looking at what we call the, the unfinished task. How can we finish the task in our generation? I love what Rick says. He says, you don't judge the strength of a church by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. So let's be a church on mission. Amen? Let's go, let's sow, and let's grow. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us, that you created us for a purpose. Thank you that you welcome us with our gentle Jesus to, um, to live in the world like him, to point people back to him. Do a work in our hearts today. Teach us how you want us to sow, how you want us to grow. Because if we don't go and sow, we're not going to grow. We're not going to grow ourselves. We're not going to grow your kingdom. I pray for each one here, Father. Direct their steps towards your best for them. If they're struggling finding their place and their courage to share their, their faith, Father, I pray that you would just bless them with your presence and help us as we root out those earthly-driven wisdom things that are so gross. Give us courage to, to uproot those and cultivate the good fruit that you want as we abide in Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.